Welcome to the Jonah Carey Podcast, friends. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, guess what? This is the final episode of the Jonah Carey Podcast with CBS Sports. Yes, three years of terrific memories with CBS Sports. Uh, enjoyed it greatly. Let's see. We're going to do some thank yous here. All right. So on the podcast side, we got Adam Azer. We got... Eric K. We have Eric DeBardinis. We have Joseph Levin. We have Matt Mayer. That is that for that side. Steven Pianovich, RJ White, Igor Mello on the editorial side, Kieran Portley. I'm going to forget lots of people, but I'm doing them my best here. On the producing side, Scott Riley, fantastic all the way. Meron Berkson, uh, Rob and Randy and that whole crew. Thank you so much. All the producers over there and, uh, my colleagues on the baseball side. I want to thank RJ Anderson and Matt Snyder and Mike XC and Dane Perry, the best. They're fantastic. And I am saving the best for last, which is Sergio Gonzalez, the one of the best editors anybody will ever have the privilege of working with. Who knows? Maybe I'll work with him down the road as well. We will see, but, uh, Wonderful and encouraging and a terrific fellow. So thank you to everybody that I got to work with for three plus years at CBS Sports. Really, really fantastic. And uh, I'm going to miss the place. It was uh, really a great time in my career coming off of Grantland too, which was tumultuous and interesting and I uh, could not have picked a better landing spot. So thank you. Thank you to everybody. Today's guest on the podcast, I guess I should have gone with the guest first, but we'll do that now, uh, is Dave Damashek. Dave Damashek is the most oft appeared guest. That's not English at all, but it doesn't matter. On the Jonah Carey podcast and its many iterations when I was indie, when I was with Grantland, when it was with Nerdist, and now with CBS Sports. I've had him on many times. I was on late last year during football season. There's no football in this conversation. There's no baseball, basketball, or hockey in this conversation. This is a life conversation because, you know, you wax philosophical at the end of an era. And so we did that. We talked about jobs and challenges and careers and life and eventual retirement and all that stuff. So if you are a person who lives uh, on this earth and breathes oxygen, then it will be of interest to you. There's, there's literally universal themes here. We're not really going in depth on the... Uh, Detroit Lions backup outside linebacker or any sports, to be honest with you. Very much a life chat, and I hope you enjoy it. And, uh, you know, uh, forgive me if it was a little self-indulgent, but it's always good to talk to Sheck. He's a really good friend in real life. Uh, I think that comes through when we chat on the podcast. And, uh, he's self-deprecating and all that stuff. It's, it's, it's BS. Not that he's not modest. He is, but, uh, he deserves every bit of the accolades that he's gotten. He is a star over at the NFL network and a great person. And so this was a really, really good chat. As for the future, I will let you know. Uh, this podcast will go on in some form, but I don't know where yet. Uh, we are talking to some places about future employment, and uh, there should be something to report pretty soon. And uh, this baseball season will be covered. I will be doing some stuff. I'm also going to be doing some basketball writing. Uh, let's see. So this is coming out on Wednesday. Got some baseball writing to wrap up with CBS Sports, and I'll have a basketball piece up at sportsnet.ca on Thursday. So that'll be fun, too. I'm going to try to get more into basketball as we go forward. Uh, and lots of stuff. Do lots of fun stuff going forward because I am very, very privileged to do what I do. It is a really cool job. I never take it for granted. And wherever it is that I end up working next, uh, it's, uh, it's a blessing and it's wonderful. Thank you to all of you for listening to the podcast and for reading me and, uh, you know, 
there is no career if I have no audience. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, oh, I'm back on social media. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Jonah Carey. Uh, so there's always that. It's me getting angry at teams basically for not spending money <laughs> in baseball free agency. It's a total farce. There's all kinds of nonsense going on in baseball. Teams are pocketing tens of millions of dollars and, oh, we, we were not going to sign anybody because of analytics. Get out of here. Analytics. Eh, whatever. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, do that. Follow me on Twitter and uh, I'll update you on everything that's going on career wise then. And uh, stay subscribed to the Jonah Carey Podcast because there will be something to report in the near future, writing as well, digital video as well. I intend to do lots of stuff. Thank you. Thank you again to all for listening, for supporting me, and all that good stuff. And here is the final edition of the Jonah Carey Podcast. It is with Dave Damashek. Enjoy. Abhishek, we're on the podcast. How are you? Well, I'm fine. And, uh, <laughs> and properly and publicly humiliated. No, we'll end up cutting all the pariahs. We'll, we'll end up cutting all that stuff. So here's the deal. Um, and I talked about this a little bit with you off air. But uh, this is my last podcast for CBS Sports. I'm moving on. I will no longer be doing podcasts for CBS Sports. No writing for CBS Sports. It was three great years uh, with the eye, and I enjoyed it very much. I don't know exactly where I'm going next. I have a pretty decent idea. I've got some good leads, uh, but my contract is up, and that is the end of that. So, uh, you know, maybe we'll talk about football. Maybe we'll talk about other stuff, but honestly, I just want to get philosophical. When I when the Grantland term ended, I ended up doing this long podcast with Michael Shore, uh, writer for The Good Place, and show creator, all that stuff, and that was a cool conversation. And I feel like that was nice, but it's time to go to my guy, to go to the person who's been on uh, more podcasts with me, I guess in both directions, in your case radio, but uh, I know podcast too. Uh, than anybody else and to, you know, get into it as a friend and to, to flush this out as a, as a life milestone, as a, all right, take stock. This job is over and on to the next and, and whatever. So, you know, maybe what I'll, I'll urge you to do or ask you to do is, uh, do some reflection on your own. I mean, we've, sw- we've both switched jobs a whole bunch of times. We've ended up in the same place a whole bunch of times. What happens for you when that's the case? Are you, nostalgic for it or are you wistful or are you oh, okay that's the end of that let's burn all bridges and go to the next i have no negative feelings by the way but uh you know what do you process when you're ready to move on to something else boy that's a lot that's a big question yeah right uh, off the bat <laughs> it's probably too gargantuan to me to provide all my thoughts sure. on it i am definitely somebody who i believe intellectually that it's good to give yourself new experiences in life that's what you want to do it's all about that somebody said that to me right before i went to college they said don't make the mistake of settling on a bar that you love hanging out in Mm -hmm. because if you do you'll look back and the four years will be a wash not as much because of drunkenness in part because of drunkenness but not (laughs) entirely because sameness means that there isn't anything that will stand out from one 
um, from one experience to the next. So you always want new things to to keep your life fresh. And I always think that life is about that's the beauty of sports and why I feel bad for people who don't like sports is that it always gives you something to look forward to. This weekend, I can't wait for that game. Next, uh, next season, I can't wait to see what happens with our team. So on and so forth. These are things to hang your hat on. So I think it's ultimately good. The other side is, in my gut and in my heart, I don't like change. Most hmm. people don't. I don't love going through change. I like nostalgia. I reflect for all my life's experiences. Like most people do on the other side, I look back and think, you know, some of the best times of my life were Friday nights with my grandparents and uh, yeah. my my uh, grandfather would cut up an apple for me and we would watch uh, we would watch uh, Love Boat and Fantasy Island and and uh, boy those were good times too so I'm somewhere in between all that and we have chosen an especially rugged business in which <laughs> everybody makes changes yes. nobody stays in the same place very long the exceptions prove the rule but bob costas has changed around a lot mm -hmm. david letterman couldn't uh, stay put on mm -hmm. one network for goodness sakes if he couldn't then certainly you and i aren't immune to it and as vain as i am um i can forget that from time to time but it is important to remember that if you can stay working relatively consistently you are winning we have won much like in that uh, scene in swingers when John Favreau and the other guy are sitting on the floor of the uh, sparsely decorated one-bedroom <laughs> apartment, playing NHL, and they agree. <laughs> they they agree. Oh yes, also the NHL scene. The best. Game. Yes. No, they're sitting on the floor and they're saying, "We already made it." Oh we yes, we're here. We yes. already we've already made it. There's not a next step. Yes, I'm sure, Jonah Carey. I don't need to say to you. You know what would be great next? is to get paid $25 million to do your next venture. But we've already won. We're living. We're not just surviving. We're not just getting by. We get to talk about sports for a living. We have won. If it ends tomorrow, we have won. We did it. You and me, you and I go back to, I think, we first met, not face-to-face, -face, mind you, but via the airwaves on yep. my old ESPN stuff. That was our first connection. Mm-hmm. Was that right? Was 2007. Wow. That's a dozen years ago, hmm. and you and I have made it. We still have made it together and uh, separately. We've made it a dozen years doing this ridiculous line of work, talking about sports, cracking wise. We're, we're uh, way ahead of the game, even if it all ends tomorrow. It's funny because that scene that you're, and I did get it wrong. It's not the NHL scene. It's with Ron Livingston was the other actor. And Ron Livingston, of course, was the protagonist. Ron Livingston, right. He's the protagonist in Office Space, which is the most you know, poignant, ridiculous, funny movie about disaffected office workers, except maybe nine to five, which is a whole other category, uh, ever. You know, it's, it's fantastic. It's, it's perfect in, in every single way from Michael Bolton to the scene where they take out the printer. It's, it's all, it's just, it's, I, I'm making the, uh, chef kissing the fingers motion right now. It's so good. So there is something to that. Um, you know, I like that though. I like the idea that, that 
we've made it. I, I consider myself extremely fortunate to be in this industry. My, my goodness. I mean, we could be coal miners or whatever, and uh, and we're doing this, and it's cool. And, you know, one of the opportunities, actually, if it does happen, and I'm sure I'm jinxing myself, this could come out, and there could be 50 different things that would happen. But uh, without giving too much away, it would be something that I've never done before uh, on that level, I would say. It's, it's a skill that I've practiced before, but never to the extent that I might be asked to do so. So that would be cool. So I guess we'll uh, – We'll see how it all goes, but I'm, I'm philosophical about it. I'm, I'm happy about it, and I think that there's, uh, you know, there's lots of opportunities. But it's funny about this industry and change, and maybe life and change well, let too. Let me just say this. Go ahead. Before anything else, yeah. I don't know that you can ever beat. I mean, my deeds are uh, not as impressive. Namely, most recently, I'm going to pat myself on the back here. I was, uh, while growing up a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, yes. I was an admirer of the late great Bum Phillips because as the Houston Oilers head coach, the head coach of a pro football team, an NFL team, during our lives, patrolled the sideline in a 10-gallon hat, <laughs> cowboy boots, and a lamb's wool jacket. And it was so, I loved it so much. And so I dropped his son, the high-profile, very successful NFL head coach, and uh, current defensive coordinator for the Rams, I said, why don't you, in a throwback, like Bum Phillips, and so he did, if you saw over the course of the Super Bowl week that just uh, came and went, he did that, and that was a great uh, a, a great uh, success for me to make that suggestion, but nothing in comparison with you getting Tim, Tim Raines into the <laughs> Hall of Fame. That literally... Doesn't happen without Jonah Carey. What a what an achievement in your life. Well, I, yeah, I think that's been overblown a little bit. I Tim had marvelous stats and just needed people to somebody or somebody to bonk other people on the head and say, "Hey, idiot, go vote for this guy." And so that was it. But I think All it was. Right, but you're the one who did it. You're well, the one who did it. I, I think he gets in no matter what. That That's a whole other topic for another conversation. But it, listen, it was all nice. I'll say this, and we can listen. We're being real on this podcast. That's fine. The job stuff is fascinating, but, you, uh, you know, I, I've talked about it here and there on the podcast, but, like, I got remarried, and I have a baby now, and he's, what, 11 and a half weeks old as I'm recording this podcast, and uh, he's wonderful, and my wife Amy is wonderful, and that's a change that both of us have been through, too, where later in life we, you know, went on to... Uh, you know, have a different partner and then have another set of children. And, and that's a, something that's wonderful as well that, okay, you know, maybe we think it's run its course and it's no, no, we're in our forties and now we're, we're doing that again and waking up and with the changing of the diapers and the bottle feeding and all that stuff. And it's, it's cool and wonderful. So maybe I'm looking at this all wrong and whatever happens in the job world is cake by comparison because I've got a, a small living being that I am fully responsible for. It's an awesome. And I mean, awesome in the sense of all, uh, responsibility and one that is is delightful, and I, I couldn't be happier on a day to day basis as we speak. As a matter of fact, yeah, you're exactly right, and I've already begun to because I'm a couple of years ahead of yep. you in that life. Uh, I'm already looking forward to my fifties when I do it again, get a new life made, and <laughs> more babies. But for the in the meantime, you know, I'm trying to enjoy this go round. Well, I, I like that very much too. Um, so let me ask you, when, when you're starting a new gig, I'll, I'll, I'll seek some advice then too. I'm going to be working somewhere and, uh, it, it will probably be somewhere new. So what does one do to ingratiate oneself 
to a new set of coworkers, employers, whatever, acknowledging that in your case you work in an office. In my case, I've worked from home since 2005. But I'm pretty sure at some point I will actually interact with another human uh, face-to-face. So what does one do? What, what are, you, are you going the humor route? Are you being self-deprecating? Are you just kind of looking at the floor and saying yes or no, sir, whatever you like, sir? What, what's the move here? Or maybe they're just hiring you based on your Damashekness, and so you're just full-on Damashek and take it or leave it. Boy, oh, boy. Uh, well, I mean, listen, you'll be modest, but you are more intrinsically likable than I. Oh. So I can't just uh, go in and win people over by being charming because I don't know how to do that. <laughs> um, so I would say ride. I would say ride on that aspect of your personality versus my own. Yeah, listen. I mean, uh, uh, you know, um, I think that the real answer, and it's uh, not specific to you. Yep. But is advice that I got before I went on the radio um, for the first time. Somebody said, to me, a couple of guys actually said to me who know a thing or two about uh, being successful as a, as a voice as opposed to being a writer for other people. Yep. Um, when you're doing your own thing and you're using your voice and your opinions, they said, trust that you're getting this opportunity because people like the distinct way in which you address things it's as simple as that if you have self-doubt i mean listen i'm uh, i'm uh, we all do riddled with uh, yes. self-doubt but you but as much as you can tamp that down and the other thing i always i i really do always do is i the two things that keep me going um in in tough spots like oh my goodness this is a big spot i better not blow it here mm-hmm. i always think one um that uh, this is why you chose to do this particular line of work is because it's fun. Yes. If this, if, if the nervous moments, oh, you're about to talk to three Hall of Famers all at once. Whoa, <laughs> I hope the moment's not too big for me. Then why did you do this at all? Then why did you why did you put yourself in this spot? Because you knew it would be fun. So you better be able to enjoy that. I always think that when I'm watching guys. On the back nine at Augusta, you know, coming down and, you know, they're, they're one stroke up and trying to hold on to the lead and people say, Oh, that would be the worst moment in the world. Yes. I'm sure on some level it is, but the trick is to convince yourself that this is what it's all been leading up to. And you better be able to settle yourself and enjoy the moment or else what was the point of doing it at all? And two, I also think no matter how badly this goes, my mother will think it was great. Oh, that's nice. That's really nice. That's, I like I, that's, that that's what I always think. Like, she's gonna like it. Yeah, <laughs> even if everybody else, like, wow, how did that guy ever get a microphone turned on? <laughs> My mother's gonna be like, Davey, the only thing you need is to not have everybody else talking. You need it should just be your voice alone. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're on to something, Mo. But, uh, yes, that, those are the things that I think about. Oh, shout out to my mom and, and my wife, both of whom would probably be the same in my category where they would support me no matter what and, uh, and say that it's wonderful. But, you know, I think that the other thing, too, here is the idea of a challenge that it's and it's not to say that I'm not challenged in my uh, current gig. But when you go somewhere new, it's a kick in the pants necessarily to buckle down and say, all right, I got to impress these people. And I, I really do think that I try to impress wherever I'm working. And I've had stretches where I've worked for years and years at the same place. And you're always trying it. But when it's somewhere new, you're really busting it. And, and I find that not just being challenged, but learning. You know, when, when you're 20 or 25, 
you assume that the learning stops, or maybe I, maybe I did, I guess. You figure, okay, well, you know what? By the time I'm my dad's age or whatever it is, I will have, or my mom's age or whatever, I will have figured out some things and I'll be coasting and I'll be middle-aged and I'll have my children and I'll have my mortgage and that'll be that and that'll be that. But it's not at all the case. And I don't know if that goes for every profession. I would assume that you can learn something if you're a systems analyst or whatever. But man, oh man, in this industry where, you know, oh, you have to be fluent in whatever it is, live streaming, you know, it used to be social media and then it was, it could be something else. It could be that you got to get your Instagram stories on pad, even though I'm, I don't use Instagram, whatever it is, you need to figure out something new. I guess digital video is the big one too, where it's not, oh, you want to be on TV. Okay. You know what? TV is just, you have a camera in your house and you could be naked from the waist down, but wear a nice button down shirt, whatever it is, you know, you got to figure that out. And I like that. I really like that about this industry, but I like that about you know, when you do change gigs, it affords you that opportunity. It's people that are going to kick your ass a little bit. And maybe you're going to fail, too. And I want to fail because if there is no fear of failure, if there are no negative repercussions to you not giving your absolute all, or maybe you did give your absolute all, but it didn't. you came up short, then what's the point? Why are we in it? We want to be on the back nine in Augusta. And I think that in some professions, there is no back nine in Augusta. Or if there is, it's not as high stakes. Whereas when you're forward facing and you're doing this kind of thing and you're putting yourself out there and you're opening yourself up to criticism or whatever that's good i want people to tell me that i'm an idiot i want people to i want to fail a little bit because then it makes the victory that much sweeter so i'm feeling pretty good about wherever it is that i go and whatever it is that i do because of the nature of this profession it sets it up that there's a lot of back nine of augusta going on yeah i think that's right and you know you you uh, specific to you you are generally never going to be it's something i used to always say about uh, bill clinton say whatever else you want about him actually i would say the same thing about uh, barack obama too hmm. you're never going to be the anything worse than the second smartest person in in the room jeez so that, louise that are you being nice uh, today you <laughs> thank specifically. you you're always you know you're you know you're you're a smart guy so that puts you way ahead of the curve but um you know and i mean i'm different than you i'm I, you know my my life is all about uh um you know feeling fraudulent <laughs> figuring out and then I, and then uh, the other shoe's gonna drop um and uh and that'll be that but uh yeah i mean the the other thing too that i have a hard time doing is letting go of stuff that i may have started or started mm. to work out in one place and be like oh i gotta leave that behind now and start from scratch mm. that is vexing to me but the smartest people that I know the most successful people are able to stay motivated around new ideas. And I know that's maybe semi-specific and not, uh, uh, and not, um, at the same time, not specific enough, but I've just talked to a lot of people who say, you know, you, that, that the trick to ongoing success creatively, at least is not holding on to ideas, which is what I do. I, this is a great idea. And five years later, I'll bring it back up. This is still a great idea. Nope. Why are we doing this? Whereas the smart people are like, well, that one didn't hit. There must be a reason for it. Keep coming up. Keep churning out new thoughts. Keep coming up with new angles on stuff. And, uh, and you know, like I say, you're bright enough that you'll be able to do that. So, um, and I, I think your talent um, travels. You know, it's, it's sort of like Tom Brady um or Peyton Manning in the sense that you never you know got Russell Westbrook 
is going to have a tough time when he's 36 if he's still in the NBA. Yes. Because his game will have to be completely reinvented for him to remain relevant. Yours travels. You never were dependent on, uh, with all due respect, yours wasn't about like some hot take dynamism. Yours is about consistent, bright, sort of entertaining point of view. So that will travel with you until you're 78 years old, you know? And one thing that you said what struck me so much, and I'll go back to school for a second. I took uh, macroeconomics at one point, and I did really poorly at it, which uh, maybe you'd expect that maybe you wouldn't because I end up writing about economics and the stock market for a decade, and it's interwoven in a whole bunch of my sports writing. But I, I guess I just, in school in general, when something is theoretical for me, it doesn't work, whereas putting it to practice, it works a lot. And the economic concept that I really enjoy that I bring up all the time just in everyday life is sunk cost. And sunk cost just means you can invest whatever you want in something, but it's already done. So if you're, you know, you talked about an idea that you put five years into or whatever, if it doesn't go, it doesn't go because tomorrow you're going to have to do something. It could be the thing that you worked on for five years or it could be a new thing, but those five years have already happened. It doesn't make a difference. And I think once you look at it from that point of view, it does become a little bit easier to let go. And, you know, one of the things that I've tried to do over the years, and I've, I've done a couple of these as I've written books, I've thrown books away. I've written book proposals, which are like 50 pages and onerous and like the worst term paper you've ever had to do and a real pain in the ass. Sometimes they go nowhere. I've been, you know, even a little bit further into books and they've gone nowhere. I was going to write a book about Branch Rickey. I thought that would be super cool and interesting. There was like one, there were one or two books that were out there that were, you know, Branch Rickey books, but I thought, okay, I'm going to be the one that writes the real cinematic one and maybe it'll get optioned and, and it'll be really smart and cerebral or whatever. And I, I just didn't do it. And I read a million Cardinals books and I could tell you all about well, Alan Roth was his right-hand man. He was a statistician from Montreal, in fact. He was the guy who said, like, maybe we should platoon and have right-handed hitters against left-handed pitchers, stuff like that. There's all kinds of stuff, but I just let it go. And I think that there's something about letting go in general in life, you know, whether it is a new job, whether it is a concept that is that is old, that it's meant to be that way. You know, if you look at, like, a snake – Snakes molt their skin. They're beautiful. They have lovely skin. And it just, it comes off and you go on and, and then they're a little bit exposed, right? When you molt your skin, then you don't necessarily have the armor that you did before. Good, good. That makes you more vulnerable. It makes you, you know, more uh, susceptible to the slings and arrows of life. But, you know, if you're able to get to where you need to get, uh, then you've really accomplished something, you know, in your whatever you want to say, weakened state or more vulnerable state. So, uh, you know, maybe I'm talking in circles a little bit, but I, I think there's something there to the idea of of moving on and trying different things and, and being okay with failing at different things. I think that's right. And, um, you know, it's also that the, the thing that I've also that's kind of a bummer for me is, um, you know, I, I say like, yeah, we've already won and we're in good shape, but we also want to keep going for yep. practical reasons you have a you have a new little one and uh you know we, we have uh life responsibilities that require money and everything but beyond that just uh um you know uh i guess on a day-to-day um basis on an not intellectually just from a satisfaction standpoint here's the worst thing that i've realized i always in in uh grade school i hated i hated the man telling me what i had to learn you know, i just from first grade on like i i i wasn't I, I didn't dig that i that well you what you must learn is algebra why well, I, I don't like it I, I, well i'm never i can promise you teacher 
I'm never going to do algebra in my grown man life. So, <laughs> so chemistry, statistics, no thank you to all of it. But I had to do it because the man said so, and I always resented that. And as a result, I always said, when I am in charge of the world, I will cut the school week down to three days, maybe. It'll just be two, wow. and it'll only last for like three months because who needs it? But now I realize, and then I, I want to get rich fast and then be done. What I've realized now is, on the other side, the man's final victory over me, well, with the exception of uh, uh, taking life itself away from me, um, his final victory over me is going to be that I don't want to retire now. So now the game has become about how long can we keep doing what we're doing, at least for me. I don't want to retire now because I've taken a week or two off at a stretch and been like, man, I love watching TV, but I can't just watch TV, as it turns out, every waking minute of my <laughs> life. I actually get a little bored and hungry to do something else and not just eat food. Well, eating food is a wonderful pastime, and if that could be monetized, then we're talking. That is a good Adam one. Richman did it. I mean, right. there are people that have done it. That's a great show. Uh, so that's an interesting one, too, is the concept of retirement. Listen, hopefully we're at the you know 30-yard line or whatever. We've got a long, long way to go. But you wonder about that, and you wonder, like, there will there might be a gap between this gig and the next gig. It might last a week. It might last uh, slightly longer. Who knows? But there will be a gap, and I will do things. And, I, you know, I have a newborn, so it's not like there will be much of a vacuum, obviously. I won't be lacking for things to do. Uh, I look forward to reading more books. I love reading books. It's one of my favorite things, if not my favorite thing to do. But I always, you know, sometimes if you let your mind wander, you wonder, what is it going to look like when I'm age whatever? It could be 60. It could be 70. It could be 80. It could be 90. I don't know that I'm ever going to want to totally retire. And I, I'll tell you this. This is, and I hope I don't think I'm betraying a confidence. I won't use the person's name, but I have a friend who did so well for himself in finance uh, that he's, he's in the middle of a year off and he's my age. He's in his mid forties and he can just do that. And he doesn't have children. So that makes it much easier. And his wife does really well. That makes it much easier. And he's made a really a lot of money, but he just said, you know what? I'm just going to bag it for a year and see what happens. And part of it has been lying on the beach, which God bless. That's freaking awesome. And part of it has been doing a lot of charitable work. And part of it has been figuring out what's going to be the next chapter of his life, what's going to be the next job. But he took a year off and he wrote this whole manifesto, which I have not read yet, by the way. But I'm, I'm curious to read it. You know, I wonder what it's going to be like. I wonder what it feels like to, to not work for a paycheck for a year when you're, I guess, sort of, you know, if, we, if you're not doing something physical in your prime, you know, I, I don't think I would want to do that even if I was fabulously wealthy. I wouldn't want to take an early retirement, and I'm not sure that I would ever want to retire, but maybe our opinions are going to change a year, five years, ten years from now when our knees are creaky, our brains aren't working as well. I'm not really sure, but if you ask me that question and try to project what my future self would be like, I would say I want the action so bad that one way or another, I would want to be doing something. I would try my hand at a book at age 97, even if no publisher was going to buy it. At least the act of trying to do it would keep me busy. What say you? Well, yes. I'm, as usual, I'm conflicted. On one hand, I always say, by the time I, uh, I, well, I used to say when I was 80, then I modified it to 75. Mm -hmm. Now I'm just, when I'm like about 68 or so, I am, uh, I, my intention is to go full on, uh, smack addict, you know, cause what am I living <laughs> for there? You know, I, I, everybody, everybody goes on and on like, oh, there's nothing better than riding a horse. Like, all right, I'll find out when there's nothing to, to ruin, uh, in my future, except, you know, a few years of crickety bones and so on. I, I'm going to commit to that, but short of doing that, 
That's why you have children. That's yeah. the point. Yeah. On some level, it is a narcissistic act on, you know, somewhere in, um, in, in every human's, um, uh, you know, subconscious or otherwise. It's about extending yourself. Everybody can't have them. It's, you know, to, you know, wax uh, eighth grade uh, psychology or whatever, philosophy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, listen, human beings rule the planet Earth, not because obviously we're the most dominant uh, physical species, but because of our brains. But the, but the gap in our intellect is that we can't fathom our own existence ending. We can see other people die, but you can't imagine that all the little thoughts and opinions you have that you remember from your kitchen when you were eight years old and you remember your literal point of view of looking at your mother doing something in the kitchen, that all goes away when you go away. All Mm. those thoughts are lost forever, and you can't really grasp that. And so as 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 the vast majority of your life is in the rearview mirror, that's going to be a lot to contend with emotionally and otherwise. That's what children allow you. They will take the focus off of yourself and hopefully your own impending demise, and you will instead look at your children and live vicariously through them. That's the point of, uh, of having children on a selfish basis. Now, I mean, of course, obviously, yeah, I hope they're great. I hope they're happy, blah, blah, blah. I'm talking about me. <laughs> you kids better make me happy. Yeah. But, yeah, you, I, I, I think that's kind of the point. I want to talk about career stuff, too, a little bit, just circling back. You know, you've, had, you've done some amazing stuff, and you wanted to write for TV. You've written for successful shows. Uh, you've done a bunch of things. But it feels like you're where you need to be. You know, you, you work for the NFL, and you love football, more than the vast majority of people I know uh, who love football. And, you know, you could sit with Paul Rudd and Franco Harris, for God's sake. I mean, that's, that's a six-year-old you. I don't even think could conceive of this thing, nor would six-year-old you know who Paul Rudd was. But anyway, and, and you just do these really cool things that are majestic and wonderful. Do you think you've, and I, I, I'm sorry if I'm putting you on the spot in this question, but do you think you've arrived at your dream job? Is there even a dream job? I, my dream job was to write for Sports Illustrated, and I did that. You know, a few years ago, and that, that was great. It was really cool. But the goalposts move, and maybe we're not even supposed to ever find a dream job, or maybe we are, and we're just supposed to, you know, just go after those windmills for the rest of our lives until we maybe get there and maybe don't. Um, I guess. I mean, listen. Yes, it's the it's it's the best, but it is. I guess it kind of goes back to. Um, I, I just hope I can keep it going at this point. That's yeah. really what it's about. If I if somebody told me. If you want to do this for the next 35 years, you're good. No one's going to ask you to leave. Only you will yep. be the one who decides when you get to walk out the door. That would be that that's the only thing that gets in my way of of ever feeling um satisfied is 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 that. But yes, I'm I'm lucid enough sometimes to walk around and say, you know, I yeah, like you say. I mean, I was in the Mid to late 80s, you know, I was on the VCR. Um, I would uh, set the um, recorder to, to um, get to record the Letterman show. Yep. And I would wake it up. I would watch it in the morning before I would go to school. And before that, growing up in Pittsburgh, I was a sports obsessive, going to all uh, teams that wore black and gold. And I would go and watch those. And 
Uh, you know, I've gotten to write on a late night show and I've gotten to, you know, talk about football and sports for a living. So, yeah, so it's ridiculous that I've gotten so lucky. I don't think it's deserved on any level. It's just, you know, the way things have broken. I'm glad, I'm glad that they broke the way they did. I'm glad that I put myself in the spot to at least um, get the opportunity, literally moving to Los Angeles yeah. to, to put myself in that spot. But besides that, it's all dumb luck and met the right people and, you know, and, and all that. But yeah, I mean, I, I am lucid enough that, like you say, when I'm sitting there talking to Franco Harris and introducing him to an A-list movie star and they're talking and I'm kind of, uh, pushing the conversation along between them, I'm, I'm lucid enough to say this is a weird and crazy life <laughs> you have somehow landed into, and uh, I'm immeasurably lucky that uh, that it worked out that way. Well, th- I think that's a lovely way to end it, and, and I'm immeasurably lucky to have you as a friend and, and as the uh, podcast guest extraordinaire as well. So thank you for this. Thank you for the philosophical uh, walkthrough. And uh, this will be a different kind of pod when we put it out, but that's all right. And uh, well, we'll see where the well, future holds. Well, neither one of us, based on the tenor of the conversation, n- neither one of us has to die or anything. <laughs> no, right? I don't think so. I think I'm actually pretty healthy. Like, <laughs> okay, well, I just felt like this was like a, a final, you know, kind <laughs> of a, a goodbye for one of us, and I, or maybe both. I don't know. Although, I this will be your highest rated podcast ever if I kick. You know, oh my God! Wow, we talked about mortality and work mortality and life mortality, and then we both went out in totally separate but completely ridiculous spoon-related incidents, and then we just we were deceased. Well, I mean, I think that's I, you know, to, to finish it up, I think that um, that that would be the reaction of most people. Like, yes, thank goodness, it was enough. Already. <laughs> we got the joke about. We got the joke sixteen years ago. It was more than enough already. So thank you. But anyway, yes. Best wishes to you. I have no concerns that uh, all things work out well for you because you are Jonah Carey. And, uh, and um, you know, some uh, I believe in merit, uh, it, with the exception of myself. And uh, as a man of justice, I have no doubt that you land on your feet and, uh, and go even higher up and make, I don't know, maybe the next thing is uh, getting Dave Parker into the Hall of Fame. Oh, man. You know what? He's... I'll tell you something. If Harold Baines is in the Hall of Fame, Dave Parker sure as hell should be in the Hall of Fame. He's a good ball player. That's a very, you know what? Now the gears are turning here. Maybe this is my white whale. Maybe this is the thing. Maybe, maybe we're just going to get like an all seventies and eighties outfield into the Hall of Fame. Up next, Gary Maddox is going to get in for some reason. We're just going to do it. Oh, you did a great Sarge. He had a good couple of years there, especially <laughs> in Chicago, up on the north side. But let me tell you this, though, Jonah yes. Carey. The other one is Steve Garvey. How Baines is in the Hall of Fame and Garvey and aren't the two best ball players of the uh, of uh, the late seventies are not in the Hall of Fame? An outrage, I say. Get on that, would you please? Also, Steve Garvey, possibly the most charming man I've ever met in my entire life. I will just put that out there. Oh, is that right? He is. Yeah, he was. A, yeah, he's an absolute delight. He he absolutely has that. A, the gender, the age, the proclivities of the person he's talking to matter not. I met him and uh, I was charmed completely. So there you go, Steve Garvey, charming man, possible Hall of Famer. Thank you, Dave Damashek. Love you, man. Thank you, Jonah Carrier. The tops go get him. Can't wait to hear uh, where you land. Let's uh, get me in on the top twenty-five podcasts you do wherever you do land. Done.